The Daily Northwestern recently sat down with Northwestern President Morton Shapiro, affectionately known as Morty. We talked about legacy admissions. I'm happy with the way we do undergraduate admissions. Divestment. You know, if you go back to the Daily a number of years ago, you might find something about me talking a little bit to the board about investments. <laughs> and plastic ice skating rinks. I'd go there on the weekends at night, I'll skate, and there's hot chocolate, I don't drink that stuff, kill you, right? But, but I, you know, I sit there and I, I watch the people go around and around, and they seem like they're having so much fun, they're getting exercise. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Hina Shrivastava. You're listening to NUD Classified, a look into how wildcats thrive and survive on Northwestern's campus. This episode, we'll walk you through our conversation with President Shapiro. When we spoke with Shapiro last spring, he said he reads the applications of some legacy and donor students. This time around, he told us the university is unlikely to phase out legacy admissions. Everybody has a different definition, but even if you ask me what percentage legacy, it depends if you count skip generation, like the grandparents came but not the parents. If you're counting Kellogg, that raises you automatically several percentage points. Depending on how it's defined, Shapiro said legacy admission falls somewhere around 8 and 12.5% of undergraduates. Northwestern does not make this data readily available on its website, even though other top-tier universities have decided to stop considering legacy status in their admissions, he doesn't think Northwestern has a problem. Caltech is legacy blind. You know, they give no thumb on the scale to break ties. MIT doesn't, and now Hopkins doesn't. I applaud that they've diversified their undergraduate student body. You know, it depends on what you do with legacies. You know, we've diversified the student body. I mean, we have about the same, roughly the same. They said they were 12.5% legacy down to 35 as they went from 9% pill to 19% pill. We went from 9% pill to 21% pill, so. Students who are eligible for the Pell Grant program must demonstrate exceptional financial need. Shapiro focuses on Pell Grant percentage as Northwestern's indicator for socioeconomic diversity. But beyond socioeconomic status, Northwestern's racial and ethnic diversity fails to meet the diversity of other top-tier universities that phased out legacy admissions. While Northwestern's 2023 class was 56% white, MIT's entering class was 42%, and Johns Hopkins was 21%. I'm kind of happy. I'm not kind of happy. I'm happy with what we're doing. By any measure, over my 11 years, the diversity of the undergraduate student body has just skyrocketed. And finally, you have diverse alumni body providing kids for whom legacy advantage would increase the possibility of getting in. But wouldn't it be ironic now that we have a substantially more diverse student body if the kids of those graduates all of a sudden didn't get the legacy advantage that the rest of the people in their dorms did when they were there. I mean, it's as long as I'm here, I don't see us doing anything different. Unless the courts make it illegal. In January 2018, Provost Jonathan Holloway first warned Faculty Senate about an upcoming budget deficit. That announcement set the stage for staff layoffs and cuts to student groups. Last October, after nearly two years in deficit, Shapiro announced the university was finally in the clear. 
with several million dollars in surplus. However, some students took issue with the university's communication throughout the crisis. In 2018, then-ASG President Sky Patterson told The Daily there was not enough transparency around budget cuts to the students. Well, when the budget deficit hit, nobody was in the loop. I mean, it, it came up the end of August and 2017, right? <laughs> and if you had asked me the week before, I would have told you we were running about $80 million surpluses every one of my years, and all of a sudden we were negative. It turned out we were negative 64. Everybody was in the dark. Nobody had any idea. It, it just hit. The trustees said you have four years to get in back in the black. Fiscal 19 was supposed to be $50 million in the red, and this year fiscal 20 is supposed to be $25 million in the red, but we got out of it in two years not four years. I always, everywhere I go, I talk about the yeah. deficit and how we got out of it or before we got out of it, but I'm, I'm happy to do even more of it. Shapiro's last annual address to the university was in April of 2019. He spoke about the university's rankings and graduation rate for Pell Grant recipients. He apologized to those affected by the budget, talked about painful staff layoffs, and reassured that the university had a good handle on it. The year before, his annual address barely touched on the topic. But now we have some money, and, and it's coming out nicely. This year shaping up very nicely. Every year we'll be able to reintroduce certain things and try new things. You know, I don't know if you want the skating thing back, but we're investigating a, uh, just a little aside there. What I don't like about the skating, so we had it for a number of years without refrigeration or anything. I mean, look at it. You needed it to be 28 degrees colder for five days in a row to freeze. So I said, okay, forget it. We'll put in a generator, we'll put in coils, and we'll freeze it. But, you know, I'm really into environmental issues, as you probably know. This is the part where President Shapiro points to his purple water bottle. And, you know, to watch the black smoke coming out of the generator and everything, I'm just thinking, what are we doing to our carbon footprint? And I, I, I just I can't stand it. So now we have this idea, because I read in the New York Times business section two or three weeks ago, that there's something called glyce. Glyce. That's spelled... G-L-I-C-E. It's a type of environmentally friendly synthetic plastic ice for ice rinks. And we can put up a big thing and have the skating rink back, but without paying a price in the environment. So that's what I want to do. <laughs> so we're investigating this glyce phenomenon. While Shapiro is eager to reduce our carbon footprint with the power of glyce, he is less aggressive on divesting from fossil fuel companies. On Thursday, February 20th, the Investment Committee of the Board of Trustees rejected Fossil Free Northwestern's proposal, calling for the university to divest from the top 100 coal, oil, and gas companies. The decision came days after Fossil Free Northwestern participated in Global Divestment Day by holding a die-in protest and an environmental justice teach-in. Shapiro said he had no part in the decision. We have in higher education shared governance, so, you know, the board is not going to tell us who the students should be, who the faculty should be, what we should teach or how we should teach it. Those are the four fundamental freedoms of education from the Supreme Court. And we don't tell them what the overall size of the budget should be. We don't tell them how they should invest the endowment. Among other responsibilities, the Board of Trustees is in charge of the protection and enhancement of Northwestern's assets. And according to the university's statutes, one of the president's responsibilities is to make recommendations to the Board of Trustees. I don't particularly see much of a call for me asking me to advise them on how to invest the endowment. It's not my field. I don't play any role in that. I'm always, if, when people ask me my opinion, I'm happy to give it. 
but uh, I don't want the board to tell me who gets tenure. Even though Georgetown University decided to divest from fossil fuels, the Board of Trustees Investment Committee chose not to because it didn't believe the proposed divestment would generate tangible and positive change toward fossil-free Northwestern's goals related to climate change. I don't guess that the presidents of Georgetown, I I assume that was 100% the board who made those decisions, but I mean, I could be wrong. But that's certainly the way things are here. I mean, we have a very clear delineation between who decides what. Shapiro and Chief Investment Officer William McLean created the Advisory Committee on Investment Responsibility to listen to concerns from the Northwestern community and guide ethical investments of the university's endowment. At Shapiro's former employer, Williams University, there was a similar committee. We have some version of it here. It isn't clear it works as well as it did at Williams. It's new. I hope that really takes off and it becomes an important way for not just students, but alums and faculty and staff get their own views out there. You know, if you go back to the Daily a number of years ago, you might find something about me talking a little bit to the board about investments. Uh, So uh, I, I don't even usually attend those meetings. He also deferred to student affairs for specifics around the response to November's Jeff Sessions protests. Well, you know, there's always a wall between student affairs and the president and the provost. You know, Julie fills me in every week about the conduct hearings and what's going on, but, you know, you'd really have to talk to her. Northwestern University College Republicans invited former U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions to speak at Luckin Hall on November 6th. Over 150 students and community members protested. Shapiro clarified in a family weekend address that protesters do not have amnesty. Over 40 alumni went on to sign a letter condemning Shapiro's and University Police Chief Bruce Lewis's handling of the protests. About a month later, University Police issued citations to five student protesters. The citations were issued by the city of Evanston. Evanston Police gave the citation. We don't give the citation, but since that process isn't under me and I don't think I have anything to do with it at all. And then they decided not to prosecute. To clarify, the citations were issued by University Police for Evanston ordinance violations, each carrying a maximum civil fine of $125. The charges were dismissed in Evanston court earlier this year, but students are still going through a separate process associated with the Office of Student Conduct. We're always looking at lessons learned, you know, always trying to do a better job. You really don't want the president or even the provost to get involved in this. And there are experts over there who do disciplinary hearings all the time. I know as a faculty member, because I've seen some plagiarism, some other things over my career. You know, you just turn it over to them and they deal with it, so. Shapiro once again deferred to interim vice president for student affairs, Julie Payne Kirchmeyer, about the university's programming for Black History Month. This year, Northwestern had about 10 events listed on its Black History Month page, many of which were led by student groups. The University of Chicago regularly puts on three to five events every week of February, and the University of Illinois at Chicago had over 15. I have no idea how many events we have or who sponsored them and how they compare to anyone else. So so there's no institution run, maybe for next year? I do walk by the Black House a couple of times a day, and I'm always kind of looking. That looks nice. Looks like it's getting better. It's a separate question.
mounting complaints from students at Northwestern University in Qatar claim that faculty members and Dean Everett Dennis have mistreated, misspoken to, disrespected, and ritually discriminated against students. That is according to NUQ senior Farah Al-Sharif. Last fall, more than 100 students and alumni at Northwestern University in Qatar held a silent protest in response to comments made by Dennis, saying, To hell with our students when they voiced concern that graduation was set during Ramadan fasting. The protest also addressed students' concerns over a history of inadequate responses to Title IX dismissals. Provost Jonathan Holloway said all claims are handled through the Office of Equity in Evanston. They generally have an infrastructure that's at least as good as we have in terms of the quality of uh, studios. You know, we only do media there, right? And uh, But it's tough. You know, there are different values. And, 7,000 miles away, I and mean, it's, always, it's always a challenge. That's why I've always been skeptical about international campuses. Shapiro has hosted town halls to learn more about what can be done to improve NUQ's campus. You know, if anybody has any ideas how we can support them better, I'd like to know it. But, you know, I just wanted to make sure that if they're getting Northwestern degrees, that sending them out into the world, you want to make sure that all of those students are every bit as good as those of you who study here uh, in the States. Dennis stepped down from his role as dean at the beginning of this year for a family health leave. Craig LeMay replaced him as the interim dean. LeMay was previously an NUQ professor in residence. I have a number of friends in the faculty and staff there. I don't know students, but I have faculty who are like really happy to have him there. Still, there are issues that come up. Earlier this month, NUQ canceled an event that would have featured a prominent Lebanese band whose lead singer is openly gay. The band also has songs addressing homophobia and gender equality. The cancellation came after online backlash to their appearance. One Twitter account posted, This is against our cultural standards and societal norms. The event's cancellation led some NUQ students and faculty members to express their disappointment on social media. After Northwestern's statement came out explaining that it relocated the band to Evanston's campus for safety concerns, the Cutler Foundation contradicted their reasoning, saying that they didn't have any safety concerns. The Cutler Foundation founded NUQ in partnership with the university. They're supposed to be an unbelievably good indie rock band mm-hmm. from Lebanon, right? But that was, as you've said, you know, what did you report that the foundation said? No, it wasn't safety things. Well, it was safety things. Did you see some of the blogs? Did you see some, some of the things that people wrote? I mean, so we had to protect the safety, not just of the performers, but of the, of the audience. It was going to be on our campus. You better make sure you can protect it. So anyway, it was a good idea to have them. I hope to have them on campus and broadcast it back. That's all we have for this episode of NUD Classified. Check back in for our conversation with Provost Jonathan Holloway. This episode was reported by me, Hina Shavastava. It was produced by me, Dan Hu, and Callum Luciano. It was edited by Marissa Martinez. The editor-in-chief of The Daily Northwestern is Troy Clausen.